You're listening to Remote Possibilities, a podcast on the intersection of technology, society, and education. Brought to you by MarketScale. Now here's your host, Kevin Hogan. Hello, and welcome to the very first episode of Remote Possibilities, the podcast that explores the promise and the perils of distance learning. I'm your host, Kevin Hogan, and I'm glad you found us. With me today is an old friend, David Pryor. Besides being a fellow alum from St. Joe's Prep in Philadelphia, he also happens to be a remote learning expert. Dave has over 20 years of experience managing IT and technology projects, programs, and portfolios, and has been working specifically with agile methodologies, which is a technique used in software development. He works with training developers, offering courses both online and in-person. Dave, uh, welcome to Remote Possibilities, and thanks for joining us. Hey, thanks for having me, man. And good luck with the podcast. Thank you. I'm really looking forward to it. This is a lot of fun, learning a lot of new, a lot of new stuff. Um, well, can you go a little bit more into detail about um, what you do? Sure. Uh, so, like you mentioned, I've been doing IT and technology project management for a really long time. Um, I've been teaching it since about 1995 or 96 because it just it just happened that every job I had, I was always ended up being the person at the company who knew the most about project management. Um, I did traditional project management for a while, and then when I moved over into Agile, um, I was fortunate enough to be able to become a certified Scrum trainer. So uh, Agile is a way of working that evolved out of software development. Um, actually, it originally came from lean manufacturing, moved into software. Now it's used to run school systems, to run volunteer organizations, to run pretty much any kind of company you can think of. People use these practices. And the basic idea is that rather than planning everything up front and doing it and then seeing if it's right, we plan and deliver in really small cycles and keep inspecting and adapting and making changes and learning as we go. Um, I am a certified scrum trainer, so that is one of the uh, approaches. It's a framework that's based around this, these agile ideas. And um, there are uh, 900 plus thousand people around the world who practice Scrum and are certified. Um, there's about 220 people that are certified to teach it. And I'm one of those. And seven people on a committee that recommends who should be teaching it or who's, who should be qualified to teach it. And I'm one of those seven people as well. So um, and that really, meant, really, And well, that meant like as uh, for most of your career, that had you going around the world. I, I always kind of found yes. you uh, globetrotting to teach in-person classes uh, from Malaysia to Europe to Montana, back to your hometown in, in Philly. This is probably the longest time you've spent away from an airport. How, how are you handling that? <laughs> so it's funny. I was talking with some people. I like I miss the airport. The airport is a place of, it's irritating for most people, but I know how everything works in the airport. So um <laughs> It's it's a sort of a place of calmness for me. But I've I've been home for I mean I'm in New York City. I've been home since the middle of March. Um, I go outside once a day to go running, and other than that, we don't leave the building. And um, all my training, which I, I was doing about sixty classes a year in person, um, now I'm doing everything virtually. So that's been a really big switch. Uh, it. Uh... Give us some of the positives or give us some negatives first. I mean, what, what has been the... Stream. So the negatives are, um, it's, it's mostly just, it was a massive adjustment. I mean, a lot of, as an instructor, just some, some really simple things um, that I wasn't expecting. I, I wasn't aware of how much I rely on 
the feedback that comes from body language and facial expression. Yeah. Like I knew that was important, but I didn't realize how unconscious it was. And suddenly I have to decide, am I going to look at their faces or am I going to look at the camera? And I have to look at the camera so it looks like I'm looking at them. And I get no information about that at all. So I never know if the jokes are landing, if they're tracking with the idea. A lot of my um, explanation. I have a lot of physical stuff that I do in the class. That doesn't work on the camera because I'm not standing up and moving around the room. It's it's a lot of the little parlor tricks that you learn to employ when you're a teacher to keep people engaged that have been taken away. And so it's forcing me to force me to really sharpen up my game um, and re redesign how I'm going through all the material. So that part's been very positive. It's it's challenging, but it's helping me grow. How about any un unintended? Um benefits new efficiencies like wow well maybe i didn't have to travel to california for that 15 minute <laughs> it's, conversation it's nice to wake up in your own bed yeah it's also um yeah that that part's um been really great i'm also finding that um i'm a lot more engaged with the people i work with like i when I'm not teaching, I typically will maybe have like one phone call a day and I spend the rest of the time just working on my own. But since this change has happened, um, instead of teaching by myself, I now work with a whole team because um, we found that was necessary to make this stuff work effectively. And I yesterday I was on, the, on Zoom for nine hours, um, which is great from a communication standpoint, a little rough on the fact that I'm a total introvert side. <laughs> You're right. But, I'm suffering Zoom fatigue myself. Yeah. <laughs> I just start playing with my backgrounds and uh, it disturbs everyone else. But what happened on the student side? Have you noticed uh, changed behavior there? Uh, it, people not paying attention, fake gifts? Yeah. And so I'll speak to that from like, since we're talking about adult learners. One of the things that's been really funny is um, the first time we did a class online, one of the students was in bed. <laughs> and it's just one of my friends said he's never realized how many cats people have until he started doing this. Like, <laughs> That, but that wall has gone down, and to me that's really interesting because there are a lot of people out there who believe in a separation between work life and personal life, and I am not one of those people. Like My whole world is my whole world, but that's gone now. Like You can't even pretend because you might be like, I'm all business from nine to five, but your kids are running around screaming in the background. Yeah. Um, so it, it, it's in a lot of ways easier to connect personally with people. I also find that people stay engaged much better online than I was expecting. Um, they're more alert than they were in person. And that might have a lot to do with Howard running the trainings. But um, they're, they're more forgiving, too. Right. Um, at least they have been. I think that the tolerance for technology being a pain in the butt is going to keep diminishing. But in the beginning, they were very okay about it. Now I'm finding they're a little more intolerant of it than they right. were. One thing I've been uh, picking up this week, uh, at the higher ed level especially, and I think it will creep in to the um, – you know, the, the lower grades is the um, the concept of surveillance and proctoring uh, while testing. Do you do actual testing as well uh, in your courses? I, I don't. Um, I mean, the, the people do take a, a certification exam following my classes, but that's done online and they don't have that kind of proctoring thing. My wife and my daughter have both been taking a lot of, I mean, my daughter is still in college. My wife um, last year was taking a bunch of classes online and they would have to take those tests and they, they you know, hold up the laptop and show them all around the room. And we had to be totally silent. Nobody could be near them. Um, so that sort of replacement for Prometric is something that's been going on in our house for quite a while. And it's kind of creepy, right? 
I don't. Um, or do they get used to it? I think you get used to it. What I what I've been surprised about, especially with my daughter's school, she's in, in university, is that so many of the schools and so many of the teachers are completely unprepared for this change. And, yeah. and they don't. I mean, like the, as soon as this thing hit, the first thing I started talking about was we're going to have to go online. It was forbidden. Like I wasn't allowed to teach online, but I knew it was going to head in that direction. And um, just just to not be. I mean, I went to graduate school in two thousand. I graduated. In uh, 2005 and it was online. Right. So for people now to, to not be prepared for that, I just find that shocking. Well, we, I can tell you a little bit about good old St. Joe's with my uh, sophomore Finn here. I've been following along with some of his classes. You might not be shocked that some of the folks who taught us are still teaching there. <laughs> <laughs> Considering the folks who taught our fathers were there when we were That's there. That's right. Uh, and there has been a, a varying degree of success uh, in terms of that transition. I have to say, I, I won't throw anybody under the bus, but and they've done a really good job of getting it together. Um, but well, and that's a, and I know that that is that change is something that has been planned for the future. They hadn't had time to implement it yet. Yep, and that also uh, I have found with with. The two youngest. I mean, my oldest is in college and she's just doing her thing. Um, but I've actually found a closer connection with uh, Finn and Ted's teachers than I had in person. I mean, we had uh, an online counseling session, college counseling session for, for Finn. Um, and Ted's school has had numerous sort of webinars and, and connects that are there, which are those are some unintended benefits that yeah. hopefully will we'll stick around. Yeah, I hope that 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 continues. I think it's really um, one of the great things about this is it's forcing us to rethink how we engage and interact, and um, how we message the things that we say. I mean, even simple things like you know, you talked about having this you know online session. A lot of people aren't accustomed to paying attention to what they're doing with their face when they're online or how they're dressed when they're online, and all of that becomes part of the message. And it is all you get is the screen now. Yeah. So it changes a lot. Well, let's get a little big picture here. Everyone keeps talking about how this is going to be the, the new normal. What do you think it's going to be the new normal in terms of the professional learning world? Will you be back on the road to the same degree? Will companies bear the cost of in-person versus when they see the cost of remote setups for these these sort of uh, this sort can, of training you do? I can t I'll tell you how the, how the company that I work at, what we're approaching it with. We're planning on this going on till September. And, and that's coming from, from above me. The idea is that in September, you know, maybe it'll return to the way it was and I'll be on the road again, which, you know, would be awesome because I miss that. I know that my classes are going to be in a much better place than they were. I mean, they were good before, but we're having to really sharpen them up now. Um, or um, it'll stay online, in which case I'm, my plan is to prepare for it to stay online indefinitely. So um, I, I went from being somebody who looked at every class as I'm a student in the class as well as the instructor. And, and as a student, my job is to get better at, you know, I always think of it like um, educational performance. Like it, I'm there to entertain them and try to teach them at the same time. I have to learn to do that in a completely different medium right now and find different ways to relate to them, different ways to engage in them. I'm expecting that to be ongoing. I think that there must be people out there who are really, really good at this. But what I found in the first couple of weeks, I started looking, you know, I, I took classes online 
on how to do this with large groups. And they were awful. I mean, the people that were trying to teach you in this stuff who were supposed to be experts, yeah, they were terrible. So I know that there's people out there that are really good at it. Um, I'm just trying to find them because <laughs> right. I want to learn from them. Well, from your perspective and with Katie, your daughter, uh, you know, in college and uh, where do you see this affecting higher ed and, you know, grade schools? Grade schools is really tough. I mean, that I think the educational part that that there's a, a little bit of a maybe some something that will help with that is if the traditional school system starts to take some cues from the homeschooling groups because they've got online curriculum. I mean, my daughter was homeschooled. Half of her classes were virtual right. with people all around the world. So there's a lot, just like I was saying, I can't find the experts. There is expertise in that out there, but not on the, the level of an entire school system. And they're going to have to deal with the, the dis, you know, different types of technology people have access to. Like maybe we can get them iPads, but if they don't have internet, what good is an iPad? Right. Um, so there's that part where I think that's going to be an infrastructure thing. In terms of delivery of the content, there's a lot that can be drawn on. My hope is that it would improve the educational experience for a lot of the folks that are taking classes where in school systems that aren't really performing, where they're just trying to meet the bare minimum or just get the kids through school. Um, the, the, the part that I worry about is the social aspect. Um, we might learn to interact well online, but when we go back, when, when this is over and people have to you know, be in physical proximity to one another again, that's going to be super weird. Yeah. I'm sure we'll adapt, but for kids that have grown up not doing that, it's going to be hard. Right, right. Well, let's uh, well, let's leave on a positive note though. Five, five years from now, on a date, once once we get out of this the, the strangeness of 2020 and yeah. uh, and we kind of get into a, a new normal, um, give us kind of a day to day of your blended learning technique uh, for your Scrum classes. Well, I would like to be able to do more stuff virtually because it would allow me to be with my family more. I also, the other thing that's changed is I'm working with the team now. And that um, has been transformative in terms of how we deliver and the value we're able to provide to the students. Like normally it would just be me and 25 to 30 people in a room. Now we're maintaining a ratio of, there's always got to be at least one trainer on the in the class for every 10 students. So we're able to offer much more focused personal attention, and that's something I'd really like to see continue. And we're also finding ways to extend their relationship beyond just the class. So we're doing like follow-up calls with groups of students where they can all check in if they have questions about something they're working with. So I, I think extending the relationship beyond just the classroom, finding different ways to engage on and offline. I don't, it's, it's I'm unable to say whether or not in five years, this will be a blend of virtual and in-person because the, the, the organization that I teach, you know, in, in alignment with the certifications are offered by an organization that up until this crisis, there was no option for virtual training. And the sort of expectation is that once this is over, that option will be taken away and we'll be all back to in-person training again. Yeah, but I yeah. don't know if they can put that back in the bottle. It's good stuff, Dave. I really appreciate your time. Uh, this has been a lot of fun. How, how'd I do in my first podcast? All I right? think you did great, man. You did very, <laughs> very good. So yeah, I, hope, I wish you luck with it. It's it's a uh, podcasting's a lot of fun, but it's also weird because you can't see anybody. Yeah, right. And and you've been doing it for twelve years. I've been doing podcasts 
since 2008, and I do, I put out about over 100 a year. That's amazing. That's, That's amazing. So I got yeah. 99 to go. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> well, Dave, thanks once again. And uh, I can't wait to see you in person. Yes. As opposed to remotely. Uh, I'll have to meet up at Fergie's. Soon. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> okay. Cool. Thanks, man. Thanks. Bye.